Hi everyone, welcome back to Crime, Cults, and Coffee. This is episode three. My name is Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And as always, we're going to be starting off our episode today with uh, coffee tasting. So today we have Barista Joe's, and it is French, French vanilla. vanilla. Yep. And we actually ordered it online because um, we heard pretty good recommendations about it. And it's super cheap. It was like, what, $40 for 100K cups? Yeah, it's like a pretty good deal. Yeah, which is really cheap. Um, yeah, we got the French vanilla flavor, but we've also had... I think I've had the dark roast and the breakfast blend before, mm-hmm. and those were also really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, today we're drinking the French vanilla, though, and I do like Barista Joe's, but I have to say, for my personal taste, the French vanilla is a little too sweet for me. <laughs> um, it reminds me of, like, the flavor of it. I was like, vanilla. vanilla She's like, vanilla. what tastes what like tastes vanilla? like vanilla? Because I have it in my head of, like... What it was, my brother's, like, vanilla frosting. And I'm like, that's it! It tastes like <laughs> vanilla frosting to me. And yeah. I don't have any creamer or anything in it. I just have, like, milk and a little oh, bit really? of sugar. Yeah, and it tastes like Let me try. vanilla I haven't tried it frosting. yet. This is my first sip ever. Right? Oh, yeah. A little too sweet. <laughs> yeah. The uh, vanilla flavoring is a little bit much for me. But if you're a person that likes sweet coffee... I mean, I also maybe I put a little too much sugar in it. I don't know. But the flavor is just a little much for me. I don't know. Yeah. That's a personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. But the coffee itself is really good. Like like you said, we've had the breakfast blend and the um, dark roast. And both of those were great. And it's probably because it weren't flavored. Yeah. And typically from K-Cups, you get like really watery coffee from what I've noticed. But this one is not watery at all. It's actually very, like, full. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, this coffee shop is actually located... Or this coffee company is located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, so if you're in the area, you can go yep. try some Barista Joe's. And we read online that they outsource their coffee from Brazil, El Salvador, and what was the third one? Um, Brazil, El Salvador, and Colombia. Colombia. Okay. Yep. So that's our coffee tasting for today, and we're gonna get started on episode three. Woo! So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So today's episode, episode three, um, we're covering the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. And I wanna say right now, listen loud and clear this case involves um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and murder of minors. So, if that makes you queasy, if you have a weak stomach, if you don't like listening to that kind of stuff, stop now. Yeah. This this... is a very, very rough episode. We're not... We read a bunch of stuff we now wish we hadn't read, but we're not going into too much detail of um, what happened to the children, like, detail for detail. Like, we're going to tell you guys... As much as we can without going into, like, the graphics kind of of yeah. it. This was a really tough case, so yeah. just be wary going into it. If it's not something that you think you can handle, just switch it off and listen to next week. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, we actually already discussed that we're going to hold off on cases involving children for a while after this one and randomly, I guess, mix them in there if we have to, like, if there's a really interesting case, but, like, this is really rough and... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, like, 
extremely, I mean, all this stuff is extremely disturbing, but I'm, like, extremely disturbed when it involves children or animals. Like, that just, like, I I can't. Like, typically, I feel like I can put a wall up and I'm, like, this is what happened. It's not involved with my life at all, but when it's dealing with kids, it really affects me. Yeah, or animals. I know. So sad. I can't deal with it, but we're gonna tell you anyway because it's fucking crazy. All right, so... Bye-byes now (laughs) if you don't want to listen to this kind of stuff. All right. Now I'm starting. So, um, like we said, this case has to do with the abductions and murders of young boys. Um, The span of crimes took place in Los Angeles and Riverside County, California, between 1926 and 1928. Most of the boys that we're talking about in this episode, those happened in 1928, but he had been committing crimes since 1926. Right. It's not known really how many people prior to the ones that we're going to talk about, but it's assumed that there was a lot more. Right. So a little bit of backstory. Um, In 1924, Gordon Northcott moved from Canada to Los Angeles, California with his parents at 19 years old. Um, He was under suspicion in Canada for sexual misconduct. So that's why they picked up and moved, I guess. Um, Gordon's father, Cyrus Gordon, which, there's a lot of Gordon in this because the last name was Gordon, but his first name was Gordon. Right. Um, so Gordon's father, Cyrus Gordon, was a contractor, and he helped him build a home at 6330 Wineville Ave in Jerupa Valley, California. Uh, this was two years later. Mm Mm-hmm. He was to become a chicken rancher, and he also... So, he, like, wanted to build his chicken ranch. Right. And um, so, they moved to this property, and he ended up having his nephew, Sanford Clark, come and help as well. So, Sanford traveled from Bladworth, which was a village in Saskatchewan, Canada, in 1926 in order to help him. Because the land was, like, they said the land when they got there was full of, like, shrubs and, like, it really had to be cleared and stuff. Yeah. In order to build. So, that was now looking, like, back at it. They're, like, maybe that was, like, a possible ruse for Gordon to have Sanford come to his ranch. Yeah. That was, like, his excuse, I guess. Right. And I have written down that around this time, Sanford was, like, 15 years old. Yeah. And it could have been younger right towards the beginning. But when all the crazy shit went down, he was, like, 15. Poor thing. Yeah. So, um, right away, Gordon Northcott began to beat and sexually abuse Sanford Clark, his nephew. And Sanford would become a witness slash accomplice in what would follow. Um, so fast forward a little bit, uh, February 2nd, 1928, the L.A. County Sheriff's deputies found a burlap sack containing a headless body in a ditch in La Puente, L.A. County, California. This was a male teenager. He had been shot through the heart with a 22 caliber automatic weapon. Yep, he was a male teenager. This is just terrible how it all starts out. Right. Um, and that was kind of how it kind of started. They found this body. They weren't really sure who to connect it to or kind of what was going on at the time. But that was the first thing that happened. Yeah, right now, like, they don't know anything. All they have is a body. And they're like, clearly this person was murdered. He doesn't have a head. Mm -hmm. And he was shot in the heart. Right. So then, March 10th, 
1928, I'm going to talk about a little boy named Walter Collins. Um, Walter Collins disappeared March 10th, 1928. Mm -hmm. He was nine years old, and he was last seen around five o'clock at night by a neighbor at the corner of Pasadena Ave and North Avenue 23 in Lincoln Heights, Los Angeles. Yeah. His mom was Christine Collins, and we're going to be talking about her a lot this sto- in yeah. this case because... Um, she's a major she's, player in all of what happened. She is a badass. Yeah. But went through some crazy also shit. Also very, yeah, victimized yeah. by everything that happened. Yeah. So his mom, Walter's mom's name was Christine Collins, and she had given him money to see a movie at a theater. The theater, they said, was, like, pretty close by. Mm-hmm. Um, his father wasn't around. He was actually in Folsom State Prison for robbery. Yeah. I started, like, singing the Johnny Cash song in my head <laughs> when I read that. <laughs> I read that, too. Yeah. And his dad was an eight-time convict. So, wow. he was probably in prison for most of his life. Yeah. Which is really sad. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. Know um, so, Christine, Walter's mom, came home and found an empty house. And Walter had left hours ago and never returned. So, obviously, she's like, where the heck is my kid? Yeah. I would be nervous at this point for yeah. her. He was nine years old. I right. mean, and he went to see a movie. So, basically, during this time, the LAPD was under investigation for, you know, just not doing things the way they should be. They weren't really effectively getting things done in L.A. at the time. Yeah. And this was 1928. Um, so she called the police and kind of reported what was going on. And the police, from what I understood, took it seriously, obviously, but they just couldn't find him. They couldn't find him. There was no luck for a while. Right. Um, his dad in prison had a lot of enemies because he actually reported inmates infractions in Folsom Prison. Mm -hmm. So he was under the impression, like, oh, my God, did an enemy of mine abduct Walter? Yeah. Um, So that was what the police were thinking kind of at first. Or they were like, oh, is he a runaway? Because back then, and even up until... I mean, even nowadays, sometimes, like, people are like, oh, they're a runaway, and then that's Mm -hmm. when you put it off for, like, 48 hours or whatever, but, um, especially back in the 1920s, like... Yeah. Which is a good thought from his dad, too, like, it's revenge against me. Right. And this is my, my kid. Right. Um, the police also searched near Lincoln Park Lake, but they were unsuccessful in finding, uh, Walter. Yeah. And, like you had mentioned... They were under investigation for, like, corruption scandals and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, they knew all eyes were on them. So, the police at this point were feeling, like, a lot of pressure. And they're like, oh, my God, we need to figure out where this kid is. So, if you have a father coming forward saying, oh, it could be an enemy. Or if you Mm -hmm. have people saying, oh, it could be a runaway. They can just be, like, brushing it off. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Case closed. Like, you know what I mean? They take that in and they're like, that's our lead, kind of. Right. Basically. But they got a lot of tips on this case. I read a, a, probably like five or ten tips that mm-hmm. were just unsuccessful. It didn't really lead to anywhere. Yeah. I actually um, wrote some down. Yeah, me too. Me. Go ahead. Um, you could start. You go start. Okay. Um, the first one I have is a gas station attendant in Glendale, which I looked up was 15 minutes from where Walter disappeared. Mm-hmm. He reported seeing a dead boy wrapped in newspaper in the back of a car when a quote-unquote foreign couple 
stopped and asked for directions at his gas station. Yeah, I had that same one. Yeah. Um, the gas is the gas station attendant's name was Richard Struthers, mm-hmm. and after he had seen this, a man named C.V. Staley also followed the couple. Mm-hmm. They stopped for a few minutes in front of the police station and then sped out of town, losing Staley. And this was according to them. Um, They both said Walter was the boy after being shown, like, a photo of him. Yeah, which is, like, horrible. Could you imagine being those people and, like, after hearing what happened to him and being, like, I think I saw him being taken? Yeah, like, this was the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, yeah, I had that tip, too, but they lost him. Mm -hmm. Um, They lost the family, or the couple, they couldn't find them, and that was pretty much the end of that tip. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I jumped to May 16th. Do you have anything before that? Um, yeah, actually, I have another tip. There was a tip about a couple traveling across the state with a boy begging them to let him go. Oh, I did see that somewhere. I didn't write it down. Yeah, but again, none panned out and Walter remained missing. Yeah. Um, I also want to just quickly add in that Christine, Walter's mom, had worked with law enforcement like side by side, and made mm-hmm. sure things were getting done. Like, she was literally, like, on top of their shit. She was invested, <laughs> as any mother would be. Yeah. But, crazy. Back so, now the- you said you're jumping to August? I have May 16th. Okay. So, May 16th, 1929, Nelson and Lewis Winslow, who were 10 and 12 years old, went missing on their way to, I'm saying this wrong, Pomona, maybe? Ponema? Pomona? I don't know. On the 16th of May. So they went missing um, on their way home. The parents received letters, actually, from them in the following months saying that they were moving to Mexico. And then the second letter said that they had planned on staying missing as long as they could um, to become famous, kind of to get popularity from being missing, I guess, is what that letter was regarding. Yeah. Um, um. The Pomona Valley Model Airplane and Yacht Club yeah. was the last place they were seen. That's okay. what you have? hmm Yeah. So, I just have that they went missing, um, and there's not much on it until later, like, what happens yeah. after. I had read um, one other fact about them, that a Boy Scout den mother of theirs, because I guess they were in the Boy Scouts, told police that they had planned on running away to farm cantaloupe. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Is like, that real? Like to like actually grow cantaloupe? And... Yeah. Okay. But like, I don't know. <laughs> Doubtful. Like I, I mean, they're know. ten and twelve. Yeah, and I mean, at ten and twelve, I guess farming cantaloupe can be a pipe dream. Like, <laughs> but like you don't just up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why. I guess. I guess as someone who knew them. You just would want to come forward with any information you have. Yeah, that's but, like, true. Who was it that said that? Their Boy Scout den mother. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm, like, nervously laughing. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, like, it's weird, but... Yeah. And But they still... They never came home. Yeah. And at this point, the LAPD... They're, or the police department is getting, you know, these tips and all these things are happening, and there's still no connections made to... Um, the previous headless body that we talked about earlier. In February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Walter Collins disappearance. Yeah. They're not connecting any of these things yet. There's really no similarities. No. Yeah, just missing boys. 
Um, you can start with August if you want. That's okay. So, five months after the disappearance in August, regarding Christine, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Christine, Walter Collins' mom, got a call that Walter was found alive in, I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong. Yeah. DeKalb, DeKalb, <laughs> Illinois. I don't, I'm sorry if anyone's listening that's from there. Um, police picked up this boy and said, the boy said his father abandoned him. And he was placed with a temporary family. Mm-hmm. So, first he told them his real name... Or, first he told them his name was Arthur Kent. Yep. And then, after a little while, he told them his real name was Walter Collins. And he had been avoiding these questions and, like, basically telling them his real name mm-hmm. to protect his father. So, then the Illinois police contacted California police... Sent photos and sent him to L.A. Right. And Walter Collins' mom was immediately notified. You know, she's thinking that this is a hint of where her son's at. They found him. Mm-hmm. And they're going to show him pic- or show her pictures of this boy. But um, she immediately knew it was not him, just from the pictures. And Christine Collins had also paid for his return to Los yeah. Angeles. And rushed to the train station to get him. So, like, this woman, like, dished out money to bring this kid to her thinking it was her son. That hurt me the most, I think, reading about his, her whole situation was her thinking that he was still alive. I know. And that he was at the train station. Yeah. Like, Apparently, like, as soon as he stepped on the platform and called her ma, she knew it wasn't Walter because he called her ma when Walter would call her mother. Yeah, she knew immediately. That's like so sad. Yeah. So, let me see where am I at? So they they basically took what Christine was saying as like, okay, she just just deal with him for a little bit. Let's see if like, you know, you really will change your mind and this is your son. So, let's mention who said this because I please. fucking hate this man. Yeah, go ahead. Um, like, I hate him. Anytime I read his name in this story... Jones, right? It made my fucking blood boil. Yeah. Like, I want to punch him in the face. Like, he's... He's dead now. Long gone, probably, but... Captain Jones. Yeah. Captain J.J. Jones. Captain Jack Sparrow. (laughs) Captain J.J. Jones. Basically, he was like, oh, bring him home. Try him out. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, she knew immediately, this isn't my son. It's not like she was like, eh... Yeah. I don't know, maybe he's older now. Yeah. Like, no, she knew immediately. Yeah. They said, like, basically, oh, she's, his, like, she's, I read an article, hysterical and not thinking clearly with trauma. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? So she is a badass and basically got his dental records, which, after the fact I found out, was proven to definitely not be this boy's. Right. And... She went through the dental record, the whole process anyway, mm-hmm. and she also got statements from people that knew Walter growing up saying, like, this is definitely not him. Yeah. His teacher also agreed it wasn't him, like, as soon as he went to school. Yeah. And, I mean, this is a little TMI, but when Christine bathed the, bo- the boy, she noticed he wasn't circumcised, and, and like, Walter was. Like, you know that about That's a big kid. thing. Yeah. Like, you don't just become uncircumcised. Yeah. Like, yeah, t- tell us about it. No! <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> I'm not going to talk about circumcision in this episode. But that's, Sorry. like, completely 100% not possible. No. You don't just grow foreskin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. She knew this wasn't her son. But I read that the LAPD hid the dental records showing him being an imposter. They hid that until later. I hate them. Which is well, shitty. Well, not now. Not now. The 1920s LAPD. 1928. <laughs> 1920s LAPD. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, well, this happened three weeks later. They brought him, yeah, she brought him back three weeks after trying it out. Right. And when she brought him back, like you said, she brought back evidence with her, the dental mm-hmm. records, signed statements, and basically, mm-hmm. Captain J.J. Jones, fuck you, <laughs> Called, He's dead now. Yeah, like, fuck you. <laughs> um, called her a lunatic and a deadbeat and said she was trying to get the state to care for her child or trying to embarrass the police department. Yeah. Like, I hate this man. I know. Yeah, I have the same thing. So, basically, he said, obviously, she's crazy. That's what he thought. So, he had the Los Angeles County General Hospital call a code 12 on her, which is basically what police back then used to do to quote-unquote get rid of troublemakers that they didn't want to deal with which like again what the fuck fuck? you captain jj jones yeah i just don't get how that was a thing and like back then mental institutes were a lot worse than they are now yeah and that's like frightening that she was thrown in there because she was terrified that her son was still out there yeah to add on to that i read that this was like this code 12 was an ordinance allowed that allowed police to put a person, mostly women, mm-hmm. um, into a mental hospital without due process for being, like, annoying. Yeah. Like, I would have annoyed, annoyed the fuck out of that man. Thank God knowing that. our system has fucking changed. Because yeah. Because that makes me sick just thinking about it. I think, I mean, obviously what happens in this case, in general, got my blood boiling. Yeah. But, uh, like... With Christine, too, I'm like, mm-hmm. God, like, I can't imagine... Going through the shit she went through? No. Yeah. Like, losing your child, and then on top of it being told you're fucking insane, because you're a woman, and you're annoying the fuck... You're annoying me, so I'm gonna throw you into me- a mental institution. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... That is, like... If J.J. Jones was alive, I'd go to his freaking thing, like home where he was being kept and kick him in the balls right i'm gonna be honest he deserves a ball kick yeah. a good, ball a good kick. hard ball ball kick <laughs> sorry if you're listening and you're a, a family member of jj jones <laughs> hopefully hopefully you've also evolved and like know that like women should have their rights yeah. and not be thrown in an institution for being annoying right um but let's get back to the case yeah august 1928 um, Jessie Clark, which is Sanford's sister, and Gordon's niece, was suspicious that Sanford didn't attend school, and she was, like, worried about him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And apparently she had also received some strange letters from him. I don't know what was in those letters, but obviously it was enough to make her, like, worry about her brother. Yeah, she was freaking out. Yeah. Um, and he had also left two years earlier earlier with their uncle gordon stuart northcott mm-hmm. and wait a minute obviously can you say like, stuart again stuart can anybody please tell bryn that it's not stuart <laughs> i'm not even saying it like yes, that yes you are stuart you say stuart little 
store. It's Stewart. I'm Stewart. from New Jersey, bitch. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> continue. Sorry. Um, so obviously she's like, okay, yeah, it's been two years since he like went off with yeah our uncle who's now 21 years old. This yeah. is kind of sketchy. She's freaked out. Yeah. So, Jesse went to the ranch in Wineville to check on things and stayed for a few days. Yeah. So, basically, she got there, and at first, Gordon was, like, trying to keep Jesse and Sanford separate. He was trying to, like, not have them have many interactions, because he probably knew that, you know, he was going to tell his sister what was going on with him being abused. Right. Um, But then, actually, he came forward and told his sister that Gordon was sexually and physically abusing him. As well um, as raping him. Yeah. And he was also murdering other young boys at the time. Yeah. And he was having him help. Um, during this time, I don't exactly know the details of what happened, but I read that the uncle, meaning Gordon, Mm -hmm. had also attacked Jesse. Yeah, I read that too. I read physically attacked, but... I'm not 100% positive on that. Mm. Um, so he, Sanford told Jesse, his sister, about Walter Collins and about a Mexican boy that she didn't have, na- he didn't have named at that point in time. Right. Um, so Jesse was obviously terrified and she went back to Canada and told the American consul. She had also happened. told her mom, Winifred Winifred Clark, mm-hmm. um, and depending on the article I read, it's, like, unclear whether Jesse or Winifred called. Yeah, I have it in, um, September, Winifred Clark called the authorities, and again, this is both Jesse and Sanford's mom, called and told them that her nephew, who was Gordon, kidnapped him as holding her son Sanford. Yeah. At the farm. The American called... The American consul, oh my god, I can't talk right now, um, also informed the LAPD, mm-hmm. and then the LAPD informed the U.S. Immigration Service, because mm-hmm. obviously Sanford was from Canada, mm-hmm. so um, they sent, they ended up sending people to go and check in on them. Yeah. Um, to immigration, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Keep going. Hold on, let me take a sip of coffee. Maybe I think that's, that's what problem. she needs. She's a little parched. Okay. (laughs) Two immigration service inspectors, Judson F. Shaw and George W. Scalorn, Scalorn, visit the ranch in Wineville to check on Sanford. Mm -hmm. So, as this happened, what are the odds? Gordon was driving down the road with his mom, Sarah Louise Gordon. They saw the officers and... Then they hid out until they could flee to Canada. Yeah. So, like, they were tipped off before anything could really happen with the police. Right. I have a picture, by the way, we'll put up on our page of the police at the farm. Oh. Yeah. That's a goodie. It is. Um, the officers found Sanford and Gordon's father, Cyrus, at the ranch, and they took them both into custody. At this Mm -hmm. point, they weren't arrested yet. They were just brought into custody. Yeah. Um... Sanford was to be deported and began talking to officers about everything that had happened on the ranch. Yeah. So, this included that Gordon raped him and other little boys that he had kidnapped. Gordon and his mother, he said. Mm -hmm. So, this is according to Sanford, that Gordon and his mother, Sarah, 
had also killed some of the boys and forced him to murder, too. Yeah, like, Gordon's own mother was in on this. So fucked up. And I think this might be a good time to interject that there was talk about being, uh, there was an incest relationship between Gordon and his mom. That's, I, as soon as I started reading this case, that was what I thought was gonna happen. Like, something fucked up. Like, Like something's wrong with his mom and his relationship. Right. Um... Depending on the article, too, though, I also read that, or did he just, or did Gordon just make Sanford watch or help him clean up? So, it was, like, it, like, varied with what he made him do, depending on the article. Keep in mind that these articles were about a case in 1928, so some of the details are a little... A little skewed. Yeah. Um, he said he was threatened to death to help dismember and bury the bodies, and the decapitated body found in La Puente, either his name is Jose Gonzalez or, uh, what's the other name we had? Um, bu- 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 I'll find it somewhere. It's Alvin. Yeah, I have it later on. Yeah, we'll talk about him. There- Al, uh... Alvin Gothia, Gothia, mm-hmm. Gothia, yeah. Um, there were he, they had mentioned those two names, so we don't know if that's two different people. We don't know if that's the same person because Gordon would refer to this Mexican boy later on that he did this to, and he used both names. Right. So I don't know if he even knew. Right. But from what I read, this um, Mexican boy that's unnamed at this point was a ranch hand. He helped with things on the ranch. Yeah. And. Um, We'll get into that. Um, But according to uh, Sanford, he was their first victim. Yeah. Well, Gordon's first victim. And he kept him in a chicken coop and killed him. Yeah. Yeah. From what I read, that he was actually the only one of his victims that was shot. That's awesome. And the other victims were killed in a different way that we'll talk about. Um, Uh, It's just really fucked up. Sanford had also disclosed the information about what happened to his head. Yeah, go ahead. Um, apparently the head was burned in a fire pit and they crushed his skull, which Gordon had Sanford help him do, and then they distributed the pieces God knows where. Like how traumatizing. That's disgusting. That I have the chills right now just thinking about it, honestly. Like, yeah, it's fucked it's up. it's literally disgusting. Yeah, he also, Sanford also came forward and said that Gordon would do these things with the boys, not knowing how many there are at this point in time. Right. He would do things with the boys, and when he basically got bored with them, he would lure them into an incubator room where the chickens hatched on his farm, and he would then murder them with an axe and dismember their body. Yeah. So he basically made them think they were going to see baby chickens being yeah. born. That's like, come in and wrong. see these little chicks that were just born, or look at the eggs that are about to hatch. Makes me want to throw up. And he killed them all because he got bored with them. Yeah. Like, that's disgusting. Sick. Sick human being. Um, so the cops showed Sanford pictures of several missing boys, and he positively identified Nelson and Lewis Winslow and Walter Collins as... <laughs> Some of the victims. Yeah, that's what I had, too. Those are the ones that he positively um, identified. Right. Um, Collins, Walter Collins, was killed by Sarah, Gordon's mom, mm-hmm. with an axe. Uh, later on, she discloses that she gave the final blow. So I'm assuming that 
Gordon was probably also taking part in that at some point. Right. But she delivered the final blow, killing him. Uh, yeah. And I read that the reason that they decided to kill Walter Collins was because he actually witnessed Gordon killing his mining partner. And he was a witness to that murder, so they had to kill him. That's so sad. Yeah. Like, Ugh. And then that makes me think back to, like, the night he was supposed to be going to the movies, and, like, he probably just fucking walked by an alley or something. Like, that was speculation on yeah. my part, but, like, he, he saw just something not place, knowing. Wrong time. Yeah. So sad. Poor little thing. Yeah. Um, So, Nelson Winslow was killed by Sanford, I read in some articles, and some articles I read Lewis, or, um, killed by Gordon. Mm-hmm. Lewis was definitely killed by Gordon with an axe. Yeah, I read both were killed by Sanford, but that's also differing between articles, so. Right. Um, another sad fact about this case is after he killed them, he bur- covered their bodies in quicklime yeah. and buried them, and the graves could be found near the chicken coop for the Winslow brothers and Walter Collins was what Sanford had said. Yeah. So... They ended up, the police ended up going to the farm, obviously, Mm -hmm. and two graves were found, but the full bodies were not there, just pieces of bone, and they never found full bodies. Yeah. Except for the the headless body of the Mexican boy. Yeah, Um, they found parts of bones, not even full. Yeah, just like fragments. Bones. Awful. And... Yeah, he said he buried them near the chicken coops, hence the name of the chicken coop murders. I just, it literally, I wanted to throw up thinking about this whole situation. I know. This is like, this case really made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Like, part of the way through, I'm like, why did we choose this fucking case? Yeah. Um, the axes had also been found on the property mixed in with other, like, farming tools, which is just, like... Shows, like, how much he, like, gave a shit about, like, he just, like, mixed them in with all, like, put them back with all his other farming tools. Yeah. Did Um, you read what was on them? Yeah. On the axes, there were human, there was human hair and blood, and there were the bones that were scattered across the ranch, pathologists actually determined were male children. Shit, yeah, children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also read that inside of the house, there was a... Um, a book checked out under the name of the one of the Winslow boys mm-hmm. that they found. Um, more letters to parents that I'm guessing that he was going to send out, like, so making the ca- parents think that they were still alive. A child's whistle and Boy Scout badges of... of and clearly we mentioned earlier that the Winslow brothers were in the Boy Scouts, so... Because of their scout yeah. mom or whatever. Yeah. So... And that shows, like... That's another thing, like, even stuff like that, reading stuff like that, made me sick to my stomach, because it just shows, like, they were innocent little children. They had little Boy Scout badges. They had a book that they checked out from the library, or from the school library. Like, that's so... And it was with them, obviously. Yeah, like, that... I I have the chills talking about it. It's just so, like... Fucked up. It's so sad. Yeah. And then I have it this time, too. Cyrus Northcott, who is Gordon's father... Um, came forward and told the police that his son admitted to the murders that he had committed. But at that time, when he went forward and told the police, um, his Gordon and his mom had already escaped and they, they left town. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, nothing 
Also, nothing was directly connected to Walter Collins that was found in the house. So, like, they might have found other, like, knickknacks or kids' things, but none of them could be directly connected to Walter. So, they can never officially say he was in there or not. Yeah. Uh, At this time, the L.A. Police Department still um, continued to insist that Christine Collins had her son. Mm -hmm. and a handwriting expert analyzed writing styles and said, definitely not a match. Yeah, wasn't there a discrepancy between the R's? Yeah, the boy that was claiming to be Walter um, wrote his R's differently than Walter did, and they said that the strange R's the boys he used were taught in Illinois, which Mm -hmm. is obviously where he's from, but not in California. Yeah, and then the boy, you know, they brought all this information forward, and he actually confessed to using other aliases in the past, but he decided to pretend like he was Walter because someone said he looked like him. This child, I hope, got fucking help after this, because he clearly had his own set of issues, and, like, I mean, I'm not a doctor, psychologist, whatever, psychiatrist, Yeah. but he sounds like he's, like, a sociopath. Yeah, I mean, and this was his reasoning. His name was Arthur Hutchins, from what I got. He was 12 years old. He took Walter's identity because he wanted to go to Hollywood to meet his cowboy hero, Tom Mix. And, like... So, Pose as a child that's missing. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sorry, he's 12. Where the fuck was his mom during these three weeks? Yeah, did she say, oh, honey, go go at it, live your dream? yeah. What is wrong with her? Yeah, so his mom was called, and she just came and picked him up from the airport and took him back to Illinois. Like, the way it was portrayed was, like, it was, like, nothing. Yeah. she was almost in on the fact that he was going to do this. Yeah. And he he had no remorse about it. Yeah, which makes me feel like there's a little, little bit of mental issues there. Super odd. Yeah, I had also read, like, I'm not quoting anything, because I don't remember the exact wording, but he said something like, basically... Oh, well, Walter's mom was kind of in, like, in on the game, not game, but, like, she played thing, along. too, played along with it, too, because she knew I wasn't him, and I knew yeah. I wasn't him, and I still live with her for, yeah. we, like, you know. So, in his own brain, he was, like, it's like a game. Justifying yeah. it, yeah. Um, ten days after Arthur Hutchins returned home to Illinois, Christine Collins was released from the institution. Ten days! Ten days! It took that fucking long to release her, even though they knew that she was not crazy in any way, shape, or form. No, this poor freaking woman. Like, I know. Oh, my God. And then um, she had sued the LAPD mm-hmm. and won $10,000, but she was never paid. I didn't read that she was never paid. She was never paid. What? So screwed up. Oh my god, yeah, I read that she sued them and she got 10000 which around that time, I think I read somewhere in the, like, comparable to 2014, mm-hmm. that was like $150,000. Um, which she's more than fucking entitled to. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um, I jump ahead to September 20th, do you have anything else? Uh, I have September 15th, 1928, Sanford and Cyrus, which was Gordon's dad, were mm-hmm. arrested. Oh, okay. All right. And then to where you are. Yeah, I have September 20th, 1928. Gordon Northcott and his mother, Sarah Louise Northcott, were arrested in British Columbia and Alberta, respectively. So, 
Gordon in British Columbia and Sarah in Alberta. Right. And from there, they were extradited to Riverside County, California, um, three weeks later. Yeah. Um, I have still in September, or in December, sorry. He confessed to killing five boys, including the Winslow brothers, Walter Collins, Alvin Gothia, but later he only admitted and wrote down a confession um, to Alvin Gothia, who is the uh, quote-unquote Mexican boy that we were talking about earlier. Right. Or Juan Hernandez, depending on... What source. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The police also took Gordon back to the ranch, hoping to get more information. Yeah. But... That's really all they got was that verbal confession. And then later that day, like you said, he made that admission to one. Yeah, I actually have his picture that we could put up online, too, of his written confession. It, like, literally gave me the chills reading it because it's, like, he fucking wrote that. It's his handwriting. He's this monster person. He looks like a monster. He does. And Sarah, his mother, had confessed to the murder of Walter Collins. Like I said, she said she she made the final blow. Yeah. And buried him in a hole. Yeah, and, near the chicken coops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sarah was sentenced to life in prison. Yep, at that point. Yes. So then January 1929 is when Gordon's trial begins. Um, he actually fired a lot of defense attorneys and then ended up defending himself, which immediately... Um, so Ted Bundy. Yes. Immediately I thought of Ted Bundy. I was like, is this guy a narcissist too? Which it kind of seems like... Psychopath. Psychopath. Right. Straight up. It kind of seems like he is. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of parallels between him and Ted Bundy, actually. It's so funny. Well, not funny. But, like, every podcast or article or documentary I've ever listened to, read, watched, they say... If you try to defend yourself in court, well, (laughs) not everyone who does it, but, like, most people who try to defend themselves in court, especially when it comes to, like, murdering someone, (laughs) you're a fucking psychopath. Right. Like, you think that you can do better than your defense attorney. Yeah. Whatever. Because you know all about law at 20, at this point, he's 22, 22 years old. You know, you know all about law. Yeah. So, his trial came, he admitted that the reason he was abusing these boys was because he loved them. I'm gonna throw up. Like, I'm gonna throw up. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about the shit that he told these boys. He's disgusting. He's a disgusting human. Well, was a disgusting human being. Yeah, and then I read something weird. I don't know if you have this too, but his mom actually testified for him, but at the point that she testified, she claimed that he was, she was his grandmother. Yeah. Because her husband raped her daughter. Winifred. Yeah. Which we mentioned in the beginning because Winifred was Jesse and Sanford's mom, meaning that would make him Sanford's brother instead of his uncle. So much incest in this. Yeah. If you're not following, again, his mom was saying that she was actually his grandmother because her husband used to rape her daughter, who was Winifred, which is quote unquote Gordon's aunt. And Sanford's mom. And Sanford's mom. So disgusting. Yeah. It Um, took me a while to get that. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. I also have under the crazy admissions of Gordon. He blamed all his killings on his father at Mm -hmm. one point. Yeah. At one point, he said he knew nothing of the boys. Never heard of them. Never heard those names after he had already admitted to killing some of them. 
he would be like, oh, no, I know nothing of them. What? He, like, flip-flopped all over the place. Um, and the mom, Sarah, was also not a credible witness for him because mm. she, like, continuously stated she would do anything for Gordon. Yeah. Like, during her statement, she would say, I would do anything for Gordon. I would do anything for my son. Like, lie. Like, lie. Like, murder. Yeah. Okay. And then I have that his father molested him when he was a kid. And that's kind of what he was defending himself with. And clearly something traumatic happened to him as a child because... Yeah. Like, his family's fucked up. Yeah. But... and. Maybe one of these things is true. Maybe he was a, um, a child of incest. Maybe his dad did abuse him. You have to have something but wrong in your life. Maybe to he do does these have an incestual thing with his mom but or his of, grandmother yeah. if she's his grandmother. Ew. Like there, I feel like there's always. This isn't like a. This isn't an excuse to be the way you are. No, but, like, but there always some... has to be something that fucked you up. Yeah, to do these kinds of things. But I mean, even if one of those things is true, it might not even be any of those things because he was a pathological liar. Yeah. So who knows what the hell happened? Right. So that was in January when his trial began, and then February eighth, an all-male jury convicted Gordon of first-degree murders for the Winslow brothers. And an anonymous victim. Yeah. Before we go forward with more conviction details, Mm -hmm. um, during the case, he also, during his trial, I should say, he also played games with the parents on the stand. Wait. Which is so fucked up. Like, what do you mean? Like, mind games. Like, he would admit to killing Walter and then take it back. Like, he would say, oh, to the the mom, like, yeah, I killed your son. Yeah, to Christine. Yeah, I killed your son. And then in the next, like... Moments later, he'd be like, no, I, I never did that. What? Yeah. And then he would say he killed the Winslow boys, and then he would say he never saw them. So, like, how is anybody even taking him seriously in the courtroom? No, you can't. You can't take a word he says, like... Yeah. And then, um, like, as opposed to him, Samford took full accountability... The entire time they said his story did not change, and he led investigators to the burial site. So they were like, okay, this kid's telling the truth. We're going to take, like, what he's saying over what Gordon's saying, basically. Yeah. I feel bad for him, but also, I don't know how I feel about him. I know. He's a hard one. I mean, he was also a victim, He was a victim, right? And, like, how do you not participate in something that you're being forced to do? Yeah, I'm sorry if someone said... No, I, I can't even say that. But, like, if you're, if you're, like, it, you'd have to be in this situation. He's, but he if, was a kid. Right. And if someone's saying to you, freaking dig this hole or you're going to be next. Yeah. Like, what would you do at, like, you really 15 don't have years choice, old? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing is sick. Um, so, back to February 8th, 1929. You were getting in the midst of his... Yeah. So, yeah, he was convicted... Um, a first-degree murders for the Winslow brothers and an anonymous victim. Um, and at that point, he was sentenced to death. And then I have the family of the victims were never able to find intact bodies of their loved ones because, like we said earlier, they were dismembered and basically thrown all over the farm. It's so sad. I can't even think about it. Like, how... Oh, my God. How fucking terrible. Yeah. And they had said that his... 
uh, murder count and or abuse Mm -hmm. kidnapping count could be 20 plus. Yeah, I have between 6 and 20. Right. Which is terrible. Because I also had read in one of the articles that some of them were just, like, abductions and he would take them back to the property and, like, do what he did with them Mm -hmm. and bring them back home. Oh, my God. Yeah. And who how knows how nobody... many of those who knows how many of those kids actually came forward about it. Oh. And then obviously some of them he murdered and who knows how many more there could be that were actually murdered. <sighs> so disturbing. Yeah, so then Sanford was actually sentenced to five years at the Whitaker State School, which was later renamed to Fred C. Nellis Nellis Youth Correctional Facility. Um He was sentenced to 23 months, actually, after the fact, because he had impressed the trustees with his temperament and job skills. So, he had his sentence reduced a lot, Mm -hmm. which I don't, I don't doubt. I feel horrible for him. Yeah, because like we said, he was a victim as well. Yeah. Um, October 2nd, 1930, Gordon was hanged at 23 years old. Hanged, hung. I would hung. think hung. But I in the article it said hanged. I'm I like, read what? hanged hung. everywhere, but I think it's hung. I think it's hung too. Right. I don't know. Um, he was hung at 23 years old, and this is actually really, really sad. The day before, he had agreed to meet with Christine Collins, oh. Walter's mom, to finally tell her everything about Walter Collins' disappearance. And she got there, and he insisted he never met the boy. What the actual fuck? Doesn't that make you want to throw up? This poor woman has gone through so much. And actually, speaking of her, there's a movie. Um, what's it called? What is it? What's the name of it? The Challenging, I have? Is that The right? Changeling. The Changeling. With Angelina Jolie. Yeah, in 2008, it was so released. Good. I actually have never seen it, and now I want to. That's how I heard about this case, but I haven't watched it in, like, since it came out. Yeah. So I didn't remember all the details, but I remembered, because the story has is based a lot on Christine. Yeah, it's from so her I point of view. Yeah, I remembered a lot about Christine, so I was that's why I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one to cover, and then we got really into it, and yeah. we were like, why the hell did we do this? Yeah, it's from her point of view about everything that happened to her, and... Clint Eastwood is also in it, too. Yeah. He directed it, I think. Did he? Yeah. Um, so, after this happened, so that was October 1st when he agreed to meet with her. Mm-hmm. So, October 2nd, when he was hung, he stumbled up the 13 gallow steps, crying and pleading for his life. Serves you freaking right. I bet you those boys were, too. Yeah. And he's, his last words were, pray for me. Oh, my God. Like, that's, like, why do you think you deserve that? No. I don't know. It's disgusting. Yeah. And let me just interject that I don't necessarily, I don't actually, I don't believe in the death penalty at all. I, I don't know. It, it's just something that I've always felt. But, like, in this case, it made me feel good that he was being given what he deserved. Mm-hmm. I, I personally just don't, I've never believed in the death penalty. I personally believe that. Whatever you did, crime-wise, should happen to you. Should be done to you. So, he should have been he enduring all the stuff and pain that he put those boys through. Yeah. And then they should have ended it with an axe. I think the biggest thing for me, though, is, like, 
why give them an out by killing them? Right. This was a year later. This right. was 1930. Why give them an out instead of letting them rot in jail for the rest of their lives? Well, he should... Yeah. Getting hurt in jail. He should have endured a lot more time in jail, and then they could have eventually done that to him. Yeah. Like, I think if he was left in jail, he probably would have been killed before. But he was only in there for a little while. Yeah. Before he was sentenced to death. Ugh. Yeah. Do you have something about his mom? No, I just have after the fact about the town. Okay, so I have Sarah Louise Northcott, which was Gordon's mom, served 12 years of her sentence, mm. and she was paroled Yeah, I actually did read in that. 1940, but then she died in 1944. So she only spent four years out of prison at least, but, I mean, she shouldn't have spent any out no, of prison. not at all. Um, so... We're to the end of our yeah. This case is pretty here. much it. Um, I just have that the town after all of this decided to change its name and kind of have like a fresh start. They didn't want these murders associated with their town because everybody knew them as the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Yeah, they literally changed it a month after. Yeah, November first, nineteen thirty, and yeah. he was he he died. October 2nd, 1930. Yeah. They changed it to Miraloma or View from the Hill in Spanish, which sounds a lot better than the Chicken Coop Murder Town. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, in 2010 and 2011, Eastvale and Jerupa Valley took different parts of Miraloma. Yeah. So that's what it is considered now, no. if you wanted to look it up. So I have a little bit of aftermath, but happy! Yeah, we're going to start like a happy thing after all these cases because this was literally so depressing that maybe we should talk about like, you know, something good that came out of all this yeah. shit. So, well, I consider this one a happy, but other people might not. Police chief, I just, I just hated this man so much. J.J. Jones. Yeah, I just hated him. <laughs> so police chief, and I'm like, I'm, I mean, I have like, a cousin that's an oh, officer yeah. and stuff. Like, I'm not like... It was just the man. Yeah, it's just the man. Police Chief James Davis and Captain J.J. Jones... Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Captain J.J. Jones were relieved of their duties because of gross mishandling of the case and perse- persecution of Christine. So, ha, ha. He, he, <laughs> ha, ha. Um, Christine never gave up hope that Walter could be alive, which is, like, so sad. Mm-hmm. And she searched for him until his death in 1964. Because of her efforts, Code 12 no longer exists. Whoop, whoop, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Christine Collins. Thank you, you badass. Yes, I would have hated, I would have been locked up five times already (laughs) for for being annoying. (laughs) Brain, you're annoying. Code 12. Yeah, especially because I like, especially to like, men who think they could put you in their place or anyone yeah. that anyone but especially men yeah anyone that thinks they could put you in their place i'm like you know what? i'm gonna do the exact opposite of what you just told me to do and i'm gonna smile reverse psychology <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> don't ever tell Bryn or me to smile more because it just won't happen and no. we'll be pissed off and hate you we'll make other. a really weird face with our teeth showing oddly <laughs> we're doing it right now <laughs> um so sanford another happy thing Sanford, like you had said, had did his time, right? Mm-hmm. He went back to Saskatoon, Canada, and tried to forget. So he worked hard and became an upstanding citizen. Yeah. He adopted two sons mm-hmm. 
And he refused to be defined as a criminal, so he, like, conquered evil. Yeah, and he actually lived to be 78 years old. He died in 1991, which, like, go Sanford. Yeah. I mean, you did some bad shit, but, like, you changed. But not by choice. Yeah. And I'm happy he didn't, like, fall into, like, the cycle, you know? Yeah. Like, he didn't get sucked in, and he was like, no, I'm gonna show everyone that this was not me. Yeah. Like, I'm not that kind of person. I'm gonna, like, provide a great life for two boys that I adopted. And he was married for 55 years. Oh. Wow. So cute. Um... And then he was buried in Saskatoon Woodlawn Cemetery on Mm -hmm. August 26, 1993. Yeah. That's happy for me, too. I think that's happy. I think that it was nice that he turned his life around after all that. Because he also could have been just, like, traumatized for the rest of his life. True. Not even, like, a horrible person, but traumatized. And he really made something of himself. I know. What a good guy. After all the shit. Yeah. I think we kind of talked about our theories already throughout the whole thing. There really wasn't a theory. It ended how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, just really screwed up. And like we said, like, uh, not another kid's case for a while. Yeah. Sorry if that was a lot. It was a lot for us, too. Yeah. It's not like we like covering fucked up kid cases like this. No. Not at all. But it was interesting, and we thought you guys would be interested as well, and also fascinated that this kind of stuff happened. Right. I mean, it's a pretty big and well-known case, and if you've seen The Changeling, like, it was weird, too, because obviously I've seen that movie, Mm -hmm. and that's how, like, I knew about this case, but I didn't remember that that's what the movie was about until I started doing the research and saw the stuff about Christine, and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, it's, I want to watch the movie now. You guys should watch it. Like we said, we have all of, we're going to put all the pictures up that I found, which were a lot, and it's fucking crazy just thinking about, like, everything that happened at these places. And then we also have all the major resources that we used for this entire case in this episode. Right. On our Facebook page. Yep. Um, all right, so... That's it. Until next week. Episode three, done. Woo! Bye, guys. See you next week. Bye. Every Friday, new episode. See ya. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook